Jeannie, thank you very much for joining us today. It's great to uh, see you. Great to see you too, Trey. Thanks for having me on. We're both in our homes and uh, I think we're all getting used to the, the new normal of working from our homes and social distancing and, and some of that. So I think a lot of people are now, you know, hosting a lot of uh, what would otherwise be face-to-face meetings via Zoom and WebEx and some of those technologies. So perfect for us today. I agree. You had uh, spoken last year at the uh, World Pickleball Summit on the topic of mental toughness and went through and, and discussed some really great areas, very well received, talking about things like rituals and, and getting rid of some of the bad points and letting them go. And again, it was a fantastic session and, and very well received. And I know this session today is going to be equally so, but for those people that didn't get a chance to, to hear you or see you last year at the World Pickleball Summit, could you provide a little bit of uh, background for the listeners? Sure. Sure. And thanks again for having me on. Uh, I really appreciate the chance to, you know, to talk to folks about how they can basically be, you know, be mentally aware of how they can be better. Because, you know, all of us can, can practice lots of things. And so I'm happy to give some tools to help people get there. But I've, I've been working for a company called Positive Coaching Alliance for 21 years. I'm a certified positive motivation trainer. And, you know, it's not just a job for me. It's, it's how I live my life. And it's, it's just been super fun to work for a company. And currently my title is the director of impact. And, you know, I've had various titles in my 21 years working for uh, PCA. But it all comes down to the kind of work that we're doing, which is basically just trying to make people more effective in everything that they're doing, uh, especially in sports. Absolutely. And and as I mentioned, that session that you did last year at the summit was fantastic. And it really got a lot of people thinking about that aspect of their game, because that's so often something that uh, people don't think about. You know, when they think about getting better at a sport, getting better at pickleball, for example, it's all about getting on the court and practicing technique. It's about maybe if we're really thinking about it going, okay, well now let's layer strategy on top of that. If I can combine some great technique with a winning strategy, I kind of got everything I need, but they neglect that aspect of, of the mental piece, right? And that, that can really cause huge swings in momentum in a match and, and really, you know, take you to higher levels or, or really, you know, lower you down as well too, if you're not in the right headspace, if you will. So I know today joining us, you wanted to talk, first of all, about goal setting. Mm-hmm. I did. And I, I was just uh, letting you know, I just got off a Facebook Live session uh, with my uh, good friend, Dr. Greg Dale, who is a sports psychologist for Duke University. And he loves to talk about the fact that culture eats strategy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. And uh, to have a culture where you're working on your mental game is a huge part of being a competitor. And so, yeah, I'd I'd love to talk about goal setting. You know, I'd love to bring up uh, the fact that Lindsay and Riley Newman, you know, the uh, brother-sister team, they're just fantastic. I wrote down some quotes from some pickleball greats, including the Newmans. And, you know, their, their biggest goal, they want to be the best in the world. I mean, they put it out there. I want to be the best in the world and they want to win at every tournament. And what that means is that they want to be on the podium at every tournament they compete at. And so that's, that's a pretty big goal for them to have. And there's nothing uh, wrong with setting, you know, setting a big goal like that. It's then what do you do 
to make that happen. Really, when you think of, when you think of, I don't know, the mental characteristics of the best competitors, I mean, what are, what are some characteristics that just come right off the top of your head of the best competitors that you know? I think for me, when I think of somebody that's super competitive, like a Michael Jordan, for example, or a Tom Brady, they really seem, first of all, that they're very unflappable, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's things that can go on during a game and things that are not going their way. They throw an interception, they have a turnover, and, and, and that doesn't really phase them. Or if it does phase them, they, they let go of it very quickly. I think that's, mm -hmm. that's one thing that jumps to mind for me. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And we, we did talk about that in our last session, that really the best athletes are able to move from a mistake to ready to play uh, the next play like very quickly. And we talked about, you know, some, some tools to be able to, to make that happen. One of them was the mistake ritual. Like what's, what's something you can do to move forward as quickly as possible. And that, that's absolutely a key characteristic, I think, of, of the best competitors, there's no doubt. Did, was there something else you were going to say? Outside of that, I, I think they're, they have a very much a, a laser focus on what they're doing. They come into the game. They have, you know, practiced around a, a gameplay that they want to execute on the field. And they just have a, a singular focus throughout the entire, you know, event until the, the game's over and they can turn it off. So they're really in the moment, the whole match or the whole game. Oh, I love it. It's like, it's like you're, you're reading uh, my mind uh, by, you know, and, and we did not rehearse this. No, we did I, not. Have to, I have to put it out there. We didn't rehearse this uh, question answer thing. We're, we're, we're basically just having a nice conversation, which I appreciate. But you know, when I think of some of the mental characteristics, especially the ones that you've just brought up, you know, the, the characteristic of basically having grit and being able to, you know, overcome in times of adversity, being able to have focus, um, being able to be confident, having a plan, looks forward to challenges, you know, all of those things, you know, I, th I think of Tyson, you know, Tyson is, you know, the world's number one player right now. And, and I looked up some quotes that he has. And one of his quotes is that make Mondays a fresh start to success for the week. He call he, he does motivational Mondays. And what he does is he writes out a plan for the entire week. And he does this every week. Um, and it's why he's the number one, you know, player in the world, because, you know, he has a plan, which, which is huge, I think. And when you have that kind of plan, you're just, you know, you're, you're setting yourself up for success. And so, you know, let's go right into goal setting. What is goal setting? Well, uh, you know, goal setting is basically a foundation of motivation to set a solid goal, okay? And so like the Newmans, their goal is to be the best in the world, right? So the goal of a goal is really to kind of change behavior and does improved performance require, I'm going to give you some options, you know, does improved performance require maximum effort? Does it require maybe smarter effort? Does it perhaps mean a different approach? Which one of those three do you think could improve performance? I think uh, they, they all could maybe in their own way, for sure. Um, you know, but I... I <laughs> right answer, yay! That is exactly... And again, I have to put it out there. We did not rehearse this. No. And, uh, you know, um, bingo, that's it. it. It is really... 
it's really all of those things that that re, that are required for you to really understand what goal setting is all about. And so, you know, really goal setting is is a two-step process. You need to think about first, you know, where do you want to go? What is your desired result? Okay? And then two, how am I going to get there? Okay? What is the actual action plan? So those two things, you know, I think of I think of Irina and where does she want to go? Well, she wants to be the best as well. And Irina's action plan is that she, she doesn't just want to play the best players that are out there. She wants to practice with them. And so she has, she drills and practices much more than she plays. And the result is that she is a beast. I mean, on the court, you know, she's amazing. And it's because she loves to drill and practice. That's, that's, you know, what she, that's her action plan about how to get the, the desired result that she wants. I mean, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know a lot of people who actually drill and practice more than they play. And I think that's one of the things, you know, that a lot of players are missing out on. I think, you know, we all love to play, don't get me wrong, but adding that practice drill session to really hone your game is, is super important. And Irina is, is a re, you know, one of the reasons she's so successful is because of that. Yeah. I was going to say the results speak for themselves for sure. So do. And so, you know, if you can think of, you know, step one, you know, you're, you're, where do you want to go? Let's say you have this BHAG goal. BHAG is an acronym, big, hairy, audacious goal. Uh, and so, you have this vision, you know, it's up there, right? Then you have to think about the steps to get to that vision. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. Um, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And so let, let's, let's think of, you know, where do you want to go? The desired result. Well, you have to have a vision of where you want to go as an athlete or as a team, as a doubles team, you know, whatever it is. The, the steps you take along the way, and then the action plan, okay? So the, the action plan, and I don't, you've probably heard of this. The action plan is really centered around SMART. Uh, SMART goal, SMART is another acronym. It's, it's a nice way to try to remember, you know, how you set up your goal. And SMART, the S stands for specific. You know, is it focused? Do you have a very focused, specific plan? Is it measurable? Will you know when you've actually done it? Will you know when you've actually completed it? And then is it attainable? You know, is it, is it actually realistic? For me, being, you know, a senior player, to be the best in the world, to make an Olympic team, you know, is probably not realistic, right? And so I need to scale back a little bit and come up with a more attainable goal for me personally, right? And then the R stands for relevant. It is the is it tied to a desired performance? Okay, and then timely. So having time, you know, when and you know, have those check-in dates for yourself. And so, I've I've kind of come up with a, a small little goal. If you don't mind, do you do you mind if I share an example goal? No, that'd be great. Okay, great. Uh, do you have any questions so far? I, I don't mean to be moving so fast. I can, I can just get going on. on oh, I know. The <laughs> There's so much to cover. No, it's funny. It's, it, the pace is great. I think it's just, you know, 
it, it taking a lot in. Hopefully people are taking notes as you're talking through this as well, too, because so much of this is applicable to improving what they're doing out on the court if they take a lot of this to heart. So no, this is fantastic and love to hear an okay. example. Okay, great. Well, um, thank you, Trey. Well, so let's say you want to have better drop shots in the game. You know, a lot of people lament about the fact that maybe their drop shot is not the drop shot that they want and it just isn't consistent and, you know, all of those things. And so the goal is to have better drop shots in a game. That's a goal, okay? Then the action plan is there's a three-step process. First, you want to learn the correct technique. And, you know, I've taken many clinics and, you know, Ben Johns, Ben Johns is just like incredible. I took a clinic with him on how to be consistent with your drop shots. And his advice was just like, awesome. It was just, and it's what I do now when I teach people how to have consistent drop shots. And so going out there and finding the people who know what they're talking about uh, and, and learning it. Because the worst thing you could do is to try to continue to drop shots when you don't actually know correct technique, right? So I would, I would definitely suggest to go find someone who knows how to teach uh, and teach well. And for me, Ben Johns was, was just awesome with this. So was Dave Weinbach. He added another layer of, of how to be more consistent uh, with this. And so, you know, I love that we have access to these wonderful folks who are willing to give their expertise and time to us, you know, lesser players in a way. But it's so fun, uh, so fun to try to learn correct technique. The other thing is that, you know, I mentioned already to drill and practice. Well, you know, for those people who just want to get out there and just play a game, at least before you start playing, go ahead and drill and practice the drop shot or whatever goal you've set up for yourself, drill and practice that for a certain amount of time, you know, before you play. Even if it's 10 minutes, just, just take 10 minutes to do drill some uh, drop shots so that you get that muscle memory going. Um, and then really the, the third thing, you have to think about the fact that getting behind the ball and doing lots of other things to make sure you get a good drop shot, that all depends on footwork. And so doing, doing something to improve your basic, uh, your basic work capacity and, uh, you know, do footwork drills, um, do, do them two or three times a week. You can just do this stuff at home. And there's a whole series of footwork drills that, that you can do. You can find them online easy. I have a whole series, but so that's sort of an example of what you can do with just one little thing, right? How, how you can make your drop shot in a game better. You break it down so that you have this action plan and you work on that action plan, right? I like that. Yeah, because sometimes we have these goals and they may seem, you know, you mentioned, you know, very, very audacious, right? The BHAG, these big goals, and it, it can scare you a little bit. Like, wow, how am I going to do that? But if you break it down, like you said, into, you know, what is it I need to do to accomplish this smaller, more attainable goals, more realistic goals that I can do here and now, you know, it helps us get there and it gives us that little, you know, little wins along the way to do that. So that's, that's fantastic. It so does. You know, I'm the um, head pro instructor for the city of Los Angeles, and I, I actually teach in five different cities. And one of the things that, that I really let my, let my students know about is the fact, you know, just focus on one thing, you know, just one thing, you know, you can, there's all kinds of things to think about, right? And you can get overwhelmed. 
work on one thing and, and get that down and then, and then move on to the next thing. You know, when I was, when I was a, a basketball coach for many years back in the day, I'd always say, you know, catch the ball before you pass. And again, focusing on catching the ball first, okay, makes a big difference because a lot of, a lot of young players are already focused on trying to make the pass instead of focus on the thing that you need to really focus on before the pass, right? So I like to, I like to, I do like to break it down that way and, and let people know, you know, focus on one thing and then get, get through that. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Don't try to multitask, do a whole bunch of things. So yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, are, are, are we ready to uh, segue into uh, visualization a little bit? What do Absolutely. You think? Yeah. When we uh, were talking about this before and you'd mentioned wanting to discuss visualization, I was like all excited. I'm like, oh, okay, this is uh, <laughs> Can't wait to hear more about this. I think everybody has their own mind kind of with visualization, but, you know, certainly here and, and how it helps us, you know, improve performance and such. So, yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. Well, you know, I, I have to uh, give you a quote that Mike uh, Margolis, he wrote the book on uh, emotional intelligence in sports. And uh, he's got a great quote that really emotionally intelligent people use, use psychological skills uh, such as imagery, uh, visualization, way more often than, than other folks. And a lot of the professional uh, sports players, professional athletes, Olympians, they use quite a bit of visualization and imagery. And, you know, part of that is that it's just so powerful. And what it is, is it's increased practice time. Okay. So there's, you, you get more reps in your head, right? It improves your focus. You get a lot more focus from, from, from imagery. And you, when you engage all of your senses in the fact that, you know, whatever you're thinking about trying to do, it just hones it even more. And so I'll bring up Simone. I mean, Simone, oh my gosh, I love her. Uh, and I have this quote that I found. She says that when she goes into intense matches, which I think she goes into a lot of intense matches, right? She visualizes what she looks like when she's practicing and how her body is positioned when she's drilling. And so she thinks about that actively while she's competing. She's another one that does a lot of practice and drilling. And it's really, it's really paid off for her. You can see her, you know, I just most recently saw her play and she's just, she's another just fierce competitor, right? But super Absolutely. friendly off the court too. She has, she actually has a, a new series um, of uh, things that you can do at home. I don't know. I should send you the, the, the link, but it's so cute. She's at her home and she's, she's with her paddle and bouncing a ball off the wall, you know, and all these little things that you can do at home. She's, she's just fantastic. So, I like it. Yeah. So anyway, there's, there's, there's three forms actually of visualization. And the, the first one is uh, really the rehearsal of the perfect performance. And I think a lot of people know about that one. It's, you know, it's, it's really thinking about, uh, let's say before a big tournament, the night before, you visualize in your head what your, what your um, diagonal dinks look like. And you're visualizing in your head, you're, you're up to, you know, two, you're up to three, and you get in the flow of what your perfect shots are looking like, right? 
So that's one way to get in extra practice uh, is to go over those things in your head. What does, what does your serve look like? Go through the entire game. You know, you've got perfect serves. You've got perfect returns. They're going to your opponent's backhand. You're getting perfect third shot drops, right? So you're, you're go, you go through all that in your head. Um, so I don't know. Have you done that before where you've gone through like your perfect performance? I have. Uh, I need to do more often, but I, I remember reading years ago, I think it was some Olympians that were talking about their routine and leading up to the Olympics and how much of what they did sometimes was, was out of the pool or off the track. And it was thinking through those and running it through their mind or Steph Curry shooting three pointers, you know, the technique to, to do that in your body, you know, they say, you know, really doesn't know the difference sometimes between you actually doing the act and visualizing it very strongly in your mind and it reinforces those, you know, good, good technique that you would have out there and when what you're thinking and, you know, really comes into play once you're out in the court. So I think it's a, it's a very powerful technique and definitely something we should be, all be doing a lot more of it. And now's as good a time as any to, to, when you're inside to be doing some things like that and work on your perfect match or your ideal match. That's exactly. So people keep asking me, aren't you missing pickleball? And I say, well, I'm practicing every day. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and, and really what you bring up is the fact that the best athletes in the world use this tool quite a bit. And again, it, it's powerful. Now, the opposite of envisioning your perfect performance is the catastrophe kind of visualization. Like when things are going wrong, uh, when you don't get your serve over, when you're not getting your drop shots, when you're behind, you know, you're already down five zero, you know. And so then you visualize how you come back. So, so you envision yourself, you know, just bungling stuff, making mistakes, playing poorly, right? Which many of us do. And I don't think we're, I don't think we're kind enough to each other. You know, I don't think we, we embrace, you know, sort of our, our mistakes in a way that we can turn it around and make it sort of a learning exercise. And so being able to visualize catastrophe and then being able to overcome is, a, is another, is the second visualization tool that, that you really should think about. So one, you think about your perfect performance, but two, think of times, you know, when things have not gone well. Uh, for me personally, you know, when we saw each other at nationals uh, last year, I actually wasn't playing that well at nationals. And I've, I've kind of figured out a lot of things that were happening that, that made it so. And, you know, now the next time I go into, into a situation where, you know, it's just a kind of a bigger tournament, maybe there's money on the line, you know, you work through those things. And so I've been able to do that. And, uh, you know, when I played my first senior open pro at the Hawaii Open back in January, it was, it was so much fun to play against Michelle Esquivel and Christine McGrath. I mean, talk about, you know, the night before I was envisioning the worst that I could do, right? The very worst. I was really excited uh, when, oh, we played against Steve Dawson too. I mean, and his partner, oh my gosh, we got hammered, uh, truthfully. But it was great to, to embrace the fact that was able to get, I think we were able to get like six points, you know, against them in that senior open pro. And, 
and it worked out uh, pretty well to kind of embrace that instead of go into a situation like that, like, oh, you know, I mean, wh what would your reaction be if you were to go up against, like, I don't know, Riley Newman and, 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 and Ben John? Yeah, I mean, just like you, you're already going into the match thinking, okay, this is just a, it's a done deal. It's a formality, you know, let's just get it over with. And maybe they break a sweat, you know, hopefully and you know, <laughs> remember that they played or something like that. But it, it is. And I, I love that uh, visualization, you know, uh, variation you talked about of, of the worst case scenario, because it's, to me, I would think like, oh, you know what? I've, I've been here before. This has happened before. I, I survived. Here's what I did to get out of it. Versus, you know, maybe if you're exclusively thinking about just the positives, when you have that bad time, it, it kind of breaks the visualization or snaps you out of it. Like, whoa, this isn't the perfect scenario anymore. Now what do I do? Whereas now you're complimenting it with, you've been there. You've seen how to get out of it. You've gone through those emotions. So that's something I definitely want to start doing. That's fantastic. Uh, I like to say that when you go into competition, you have to embrace whatever game you bring. Even the best athletes in the world, they, they say that they only bring their A game maybe about 60% of the time. And then the rest of the time, they're bringing their B game or their C game or their D game or their F game, right? And you have to embrace wherever you're at. And I know after, you know, we had this fantastic match where on the scoreboard, we, we lost, right? I had to get ready for, you know, they combined, the, they didn't have enough people. You know, sometimes when you go to tournaments, they don't have enough people in certain divisions. And so they had to combine the seniors, you know, with, with some of these younger pros. And I just took it as a learning experience. And then when I did have the chance to uh, play, uh, to play for the gold medal in my senior division, we actually ended up winning. It was the first time I actually won money in a tournament. Wow, and congrats. Think, yeah, thanks. It was it was fun. Uh and I think being able to embrace the fact that you know what, they prepared me, even though I got killed, right? They prepared me for getting ready for this for this next gold medal match, which you know, I think I think people get too wrapped up in the scoreboard and they can get really down on themselves if they lose. You know, but if you really look at it as a learning opportunity, you know, I think I think good things can come of it. So absolutely, um, yeah. It, it reminded me what you said earlier about arena and and wanting to practice uh, against you know people you know the toughest you know opponents out there because it's it is like a trial by fire, right? It gets you ready for when you're going out and making those matches, and certainly paid off in your case and taking the gold. So that's fantastic. Oh, thanks. Well, well, the the third form of visualization, it's called you know uh, thinking about your breakthrough performance. I don't know if you know Mahali uh, Mahali, but he wrote this book called Flow. Flow is a, a very big sports psychology book. And it's about getting into the state of flow where everything's balanced uh, and you're okay with wherever you're at. You're not second guessing the fact that, oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. You're, you're there. I think, I think when you go to different levels, you know, I started off, I, I wasn't a uh, tennis player. I wasn't a table tennis player. I, I didn't have a racket sport. And I remember being a beginner player and thinking to myself, oh my gosh, uh, this is so fun, right? I just want to get better. And I remember when I finally broke through uh, into the four or five ranks, coming from two five. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I feel like, you know, I've embraced every level. And uh, of course, every level has its challenges. 
but being able to have these breakthrough moments, I think it's important for you to think about them. You know, don't think that if you're a 2-5 or you're a beginner, you're never going to get to 3-0, right? You will. You absolutely will. And, and there are ways to do that, of course. Being able to think of a breakthrough, right, to get to another level or whatever your breakthrough is. I don't know. Are, uh, am I making sense with this? No, it does. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it's, it's that way of, of having, you know, what's that kind of turning point or inflection point that, you know, you can celebrate that allows you to now, you know, do that. And I, I think so often we forget about that or really have to think back and go, oh, yeah, you know, if I think about it, uh, yeah, that I, I should have embraced that more or thought about that. But it's it's something that we often just kind of let pass because we're so focused on, you know, the next ring or the next achievement. So I think it's important to remember that. It's so true. I remember... I remember when I was a beginner, I think it was 3-0, and I was uh, lucky enough to be playing with a higher level player who was giving of their time. And I remember thinking at the time, oh my gosh, if I could ever just be as good as her, I mean, I, I'll feel like I have made it, right? And, and I got to that point, and I, and I let her know uh, what a role model, what an inspiration she was to me. You know, and I think I think we should embrace the people who have brought us along the way to to make us better, right? So, so anyway, so the whole visualization thing, you know, the perfect performance, the catastrophe uh, visualization, and then the the breakthrough. I think those three visualization techniques uh, can help a lot of people. In fact, absolutely, and and some people are using or may have heard before, like the visualization we talked about, but. You know, other things like catastrophe, oh, maybe that's something I can now, you know, kind of add to my quiver, if you will. And again, this is the perfect time now to be thinking about and doing and practicing some of these things. So when we're back out on the courts again and back out playing tournaments again, you know, you've used this time wisely and these are some great things to do. This is the best time to be doing visualization. You can be practicing every day. <laughs> I mean, really, you can be practicing every day right up here and you will be stronger and even better uh, when you get back on the court. Yeah, not everybody's gonna be doing that. You're gonna be out there, you know, steps above everyone else. So definitely <laughs> practice it. So let's, let's go into high road self-talk. Are we ready for that? Absolutely, yeah, let's do it. Awesome, well, I still have Greg Dale in my head and you know, he gets the athletes at Duke University to actually write down what they're thinking in their head because, you know, this self-talk, it's that little voice that goes on whether we know it or not. And typically that little voice in your head is, is negative. It's, it's really a voice of judgment that's going on um, all the time. And it affects our emotional tank, whether we're filled or whether we're down, right? And so that's, what, that's the big question is how are we going to tame the little voice in our head so that we're moving towards uh, something positive rather than dwelling or staying in a negative. And so honestly, it's easier to replace than to eliminate. And you know that's just a fact. And what we can do though to help replace it is really, it's, there's a three-step process. And so do, do you mind if I go through three steps? No, please well, I don't do. Know. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Is this something that's resonating? I mean, do you, do you, do you often is. have this voice? It is. And just like you said, typically when that's going on or we're, we're aware of it, at least for me, 
it is always negative. It's getting down on myself. It's, it's, you know, kind of berating a little bit. Oh, you should have done this or you know better than to do that. Or why did you do that again? And it's interesting. Like you said, it's, it's, it's not about quieting the voice. The voice will always be there. It's going to be very hard to turn that, flip that switch and turn that off. But if we can get that voice to be more on the positive side, we, you know, let's get the benefits of having that voice talking to you and, you know, filling you up versus dragging you down. I love that idea of doing that. So definitely want to hear more. Okay, good. Well, let's talk about how we transform. I'll use that word, transform our self-talk. One of the things that we can do is, is to state it as a feeling. It's, it's way more accurate to state it as a feeling. Like I feel like. And so an example of that is, you know, I have a student who is down on herself quite a bit. And she just texted me the other day and, and said, you know, I'm such an idiot, you know, for, for thinking that it was a Thursday instead of a Friday, you know, something really mundane, right? And I texted her right back and I said, well, maybe you feel like an idiot, but you are not an idiot because right now all the days are just running together, right? <laughs> and so, so when you state it as a feeling, it's a lot more accurate because you know, you are not the mistake that you just made. Uh, a mistake is just a result that you don't like, right? And so, so that's the first thing, to try to transform your thinking, state it as a feeling. Um, and then the next thing is to really uh, state, state it, or use the power of uh, what we call a big but, okay? So being able to say something like, well, I'm, I feel like I can't win this game. We're right now down uh, zero ten. Okay. But I am the kind of person who rises to the challenge. Right. And I know many people who have come back from zero ten to win the game. I, I mean, I really have known a lot of people. And so the power of the big, but is that it negates what you say before. And so, you know, you state it as a feeling. I feel like I can't win this game, but, and then you negate what you just had in your head. I'm the kind of person, you know, who's going to rise to this challenge or, or, and this is the, the third step is that I'm the kind of person who, and you fill, you fill in whatever it is you need to fill in to create this, this positive uh, mindset. So I'm the kind of person who works hard. I'm the kind of person who bounces back, you know? So you can come up with, with all kinds of things. I'm, uh, I don't know. What kind of person are you, Trey? Uh, I'm the kind of person who fights until the end, let's say. Yes. Right. Yes. I'm the kind of person who never gives up, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. So, so being able to transform that negative self-talk by first stating as a feeling, using the power of the big butt, and then being able to think in your head the phrase, I'm the kind of person who, and then you put something positive in there. So that's one way to sort of transform, you know, the, the, the kind of self-talk that goes on in your head. And I know, you know, I looked up some other like quotes. So Serena Williams, she's the master of this. She, she, she actually says that you have to believe in yourself when no one else does and that champions defined not by their wins, but by how they can recover when they fall. And so even when she's behind 
or losing or not playing well. She transforms any self-talk in her head into as much positive affirmations as possible, uh, which is why she's, you know, won 20. Three is that twenty three Grand Slam titles? <laughs> I mean. Yeah, it's amazing. Yes, yeah. and, and, and to me, it's when you said that when you when you have the the positive stuff and you have the big butt, when you've got I'm the kind of person who it's kind of shining a light or it's it's providing a life preserver or it's showing you the way out. It's saying, you know, all is not lost. Whereas sometimes we get so wrapped up, I think, around the the negative self talk. We don't see a way out, but you're giving yourself that this has happened before. You can do this. There is a way out. And that, to me, that would just give you a lot of energy to, you know, get out there and, and finish or give it your best effort. So yeah. I, I'm practicing that. I think it's going to be really important for people, right? When you hear that, do the bud and, and do the, I'm the kind of person who, and mm -hmm. I think they're going to see a big, uh, big change in, in how they're playing. I think so too. And you can see this on the court. You can tell when people are, you know, are really rallying, even when they're down. And I always give props, you know, I love to, I just love to watch people play. And I always give props to people who are, you know, where I can't even tell if they're winning or losing, you know, they're just playing hard. And, you know, and they're, they're just working towards this goal of being the best player they can be, you know, I mean, it's, it's so fun to watch that. Well, you mentioned uh, Serena Williams and the person that always stuck out in my mind as well was Roger Federer. You know, we'll, we'll stay with the tennis theme. Yeah. But he would have the, the biggest, you know, errors, mistakes. He could be down 5-1, which is pretty rare. And you'd look at his face, you would never tell. And I yeah. think that's really what made him such a, and is such a great champion is because that, that mental strength, he, he just wouldn't get down on himself. He knew, and he would always, you know, inevitably you know, find a way back. And I think that was a big part of it because you just look at his face and never know. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Really, again, the, the, the best competitors, you know, are, are playing for the love of the game. And a lot of times, if you don't know the score, you can't tell uh, if they're winning or losing. And certainly Federer, oh my gosh, he's, he's, he's up there with that for sure. You know, another, another person that comes to mind about staying positive is, I don't know if you know Jennifer Dawson. Yeah, Jennifer Dawson, uh, she's a, a senior competitor. That's why I know her. <laughs> and um, uh, she plays uh, women's doubles with Cammie McGregor. Uh, they're two of the best senior doubles players um, out there. She, uh, Jennifer was the first ever, first ever triple crown winner at the uh, U.S. Open, which means that she got gold not only with Cammie and women's doubles, okay, at, at the senior pro level. She also got gold at the mixed doubles senior pro level with her husband, who is amazing, who, who kicked my butt in Hawaii. Thank you, Steve Dawson. <laughs> and she also won singles gold in senior pro. She was the first senior pro pickleball player to do that. Wow. And you know, her, her goal, her number one goal, and you, you might be surprised, but her number one goal is to always have fun. And she was a high level tennis player. So I think she's still competing in tennis and still winning in tennis at her level. And when she came to pickleball, it was just a whole new world that was competitive, but it was different and different because it was fun. Right. And so she goes into every, 
everything that she does with pickleball with this with this whole idea that you know what i'm going to have as much fun as possible now that doesn't mean that she's goofing off or not trying hard or anything like that because she also she works super hard she does a lot of training off the court as well which i i think a lot of athletes don't do enough of i i think i think everyone actually could be a better player if they did a lot of things off the court as far as strengthening and stretching and you know things sure, like yeah. that but but Jennifer I just I just love her because you can see her her hard work ethic on the court when she's playing but you can also see that she's 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 just got this thing you know and I I actually try to emulate myself after her a little bit because I I totally love to have fun as well even in the heat of competition right <laughs> it's hard to do that's the one thing when I, you know, talk to people about you and, and everything, it's, it's definitely one of the things that comes across is just the positivity. Like you're always out there, you're always smiling, you're always having a great time out there. And, and that to me is something I want to emulate. Like that's, you're someone I look to, to go <laughs> about, you know, what would Jeannie do right now and, and how would she be feeling and smiling? Because it, it does. I mean, it's, you, you know, you're always up, you know, 10, zero down, zero, 10, you're always got the smile on your face and having a good time. And, more people should, you know, take that into heart. Well, thank you so much. And I do hope that we both get to go to nationals again this year. And I hope to be playing better than I did last year. It's always about, you know, the next tournament or the next game, right? And, you know, I think if everyone has, has really that mindset of, you know what, let's learn from what we're doing right now to make it better the next time. I think uh, we'll all enjoy enjoy the game more. We'll certainly have have partners who will want to play with us more if we if we have this sort of learning mindset, right? Did you have any questions? I mean, those were the three things I think we wanted to uh, talk about today: the goal setting, you know, the visualization, and the high road self talk. And uh, hopefully, there were enough tips there that people can actually put those in place once once they hear about them. Oh, for sure. And people need to go back and, and re-listen to this. A lot of great takeaways that they can have and, and on each of those topics. And like you said before, now is, is the best time to be practicing a lot of these things and taking advantage of the time that we have off the court. It doesn't mean our progress has to stop. It just means that we're you know, training in a different way right now. We can spend more time on doing some of the things like goal setting and working on our self-talk and doing the visualization that you talked about. Great. Great, Trey. Well, did you have any other questions or uh, what else no, can we talk great. about? Yeah, no. Thank you so much again, Jeannie, for, for joining us here today and going through this with us. Great information. I look forward to the next time we have a, a talk together. Sure. There's, a, there's always more. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again. Hey, thank you so much, Trey. <laughs>